Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three-step drop, goes on the end zone. Hot ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked up. That's picked up. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Throws up with a head to the side. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 29. He's going. Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And there's a cannon's cannon. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. We are just a couple of days removed from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' first preseason game at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 27-17, the final score in that one as Pittsburgh comes out on top. Today, over the next hour or so, we're going to be taking your calls and, of course, talking about the biggest takeaways and standouts from Week 1's preseason action against Pittsburgh. Before we get into that, Evan, how you doing, my friend? Doing pretty good. Obviously, um, you know, caught a little bit of football this weekend, not just the Bucks game, so it's nice to – I know I keep saying it, but it's just it's nice to have football back. So um, even though preseason can get old kind of fast um, – you know, after like the first 10 minutes, you're like, all right, like let, let's move on. And, uh, but it still is nice for, uh, for something else to watch and uh, to have NFL football back. Yeah. August football, NFL preseason football is obviously going to be sloppy. Week one, most of these teams going to be shaken off the ring rust. We saw that with the Bucks and the Steelers both. But I tell you, I'll take that kind of football over the XFL and the USFL nine times out of 10. Like, I, I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of the spring football, but uh, you, you probably shouldn't have even wasted your time. I'm, I'm just grateful that we have the NFL back in full swing uh, just a couple of weeks away from the start of the regular season. So let's dive into this game. As far as takeaways and uh, you know players we can talk about, there are plenty, as people always love to react or overreact to week one of the preseason. Friendly reminder, folks, uh, just to put the disclaimer out there, I feel like when you see people on social media or on their own podcast or listening to local sports radio, I feel like people coming away from this game who are talking about, uh, for example, Dave Canales play calling just weren't really looking for the right things. Um, because we, we had said a couple of days before the game, like, listen, if you're expecting any sort of creativity with this offensive game plan, you're not going to get very much. I, I don't think there was much of an install last week on offense for the Bucks, And uh, that was clear because I think the most creative thing we saw on offense all night was a couple of jet sweeps. Aside from that, it was pretty simple. Um, what do you think of people who are kind of quick to criticize what this offense looks like already? Well, for one, I will say, and they've done a, Better job of it, uh, I would say, this year. But um, 
the the actual who wins the game is the least important thing like in the world like literally i was just watching on the tv here like the raiders just beat the 49ers 34 to 7 doesn't matter like the in the regular season the raiders aren't beating the 49ers regardless let alone blow out like that so like the final score does not at game plans or anything so just like what you said it, it's the defense it, it and i know and i know i said performances and sometimes performances can be helped by a scheme or can be hurt so if you say oh man you know baker mayfield look great well you have to go with the caveat that yeah okay if, if you looked if you went you know 12 for 12 with three touchdowns Pittsburgh wasn't exactly game planning for Baker Mayfield. Like they're not game planning to stop Baker Mayfield. They're just running their defense. Um, as far as you know, the Bucks go, like they weren't game planning to attack the Pittsburgh defense. So yeah, it is tough. And you saw you saw a few things. Um, you saw for one, the biggest thing obviously was the the quarterback rollouts. They must have done that with, with Mayfield three or four different times. Uh, you haven't seen that, obviously, in the past. And so that was that was a wrinkle, I guess you could say. It's like you mentioned the jet sweeps and, and stuff. But, yeah, it, it's tough to, to really get a grasp. You're not going to, you know, and even like week one of the regular season, like you're not truly going to get a, a full grasp of what the offense is. You know, could come back to us after week six, you know, week seven come back to us after that and then we can have a conversation about that but right now it's it's too early to to really tell and um like i said preseason to me is and look you could take it however you want like if you really want to win the games if you care about that whatever just does they don't really matter like that literally in three weeks from now all these preseason records are going to be erased and nobody's going to remember them. So, um, but I, I look at individual performances and how players are performing. Are they exceeding expectations? Are they meeting expectations? Are they not meeting expectations? That's what I'm looking for in these preseason games. And that's what mostly the Bucks coaching staff is lo- looking for as well. 336 total yards of offense for the Bucks in that first preseason game. A welcome change in probably a pretty high number compared to what their season average was last year. But Let's get into individual play, and let's start with the quarterbacks. Obviously, a lot of people were looking for answers in the quarterback competition. Baker Mayfield coming into this one was going to be starting. Kyle Trask was QB2, and then John Wolford came in in the second half and wrapped things up. Baker comes in, goes 8 for 9, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Beautiful ball over the top, corner of the end zone to Trey Palmer, undrafted free agent. What can you say about Baker's performance? I mean, when you look at the stat sheet, you know, eight for nine, 63 yards and a touchdown. He went in there and did what he needed to do. It was hard to hold it against him after that first drive being four straight runs, one of them on fourth and one. Uh, So with what we saw from Baker, I mean, to me, he looks comfortable in that offense. He, He looks like he's he's competent enough to go in there and know what he's doing. But again, calling back to what we said a few minutes ago, there wasn't much of an offensive game plan. So. For a game to get his feet wet and uh, to get his feet wet, get back in the rhythm and shake that rust off, I thought Baker looked great. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought he was fine. You know, he made the, he made the plays he needed to. He didn't make any mistakes, which obviously you know 
training camp that's been a little bit of an issue for him. You know, the interceptions ha- have been an issue at times, so I think that's what you wanted to see the most. Uh, he didn't really even put the ball in harm's way much that often. It's not like there was some, you know, oh, he didn't throw any, any interceptions, but, you know, that throw right there was a close one, or that throw right there probably should have been. You know, there wasn't really any of those either. So, yeah, like I said, I, I thought he went out there and did his job again. Pittsburgh's not game plan to stop him. Uh, Pittsburgh starting defense. Um, I don't think it wasn't like the Bucks. Like the the Bucks starting defense basically wasn't out there. I think that Pittsburgh had a few starters, but like not many. Like I don't think like your Cam Haywards or TJ Watts. Like I don't think any of them played. Um, but I, I do think that Mayfield looked good and. You know that that's all that really matters, and that, that's what he needed to do. He he did his job, and the the one drive that that he did have that resulted in a touchdown. It was a nice throw in the back of the end zone there, and you know you just hope he can build off of it, and you also hope that maybe a guy like Kyle Trask can respond to it next week. Where Kyle Trask is, uh, this isn't confirmed by Todd Bowles, but it was you know, obviously reported by Pewter Reports, J.C. Allen that. Baker Mayfield was getting a start in week one versus Pittsburgh, and then Kyle Trask was getting a start in week two. Well, Baker Mayfield did get the start versus Pittsburgh, so you would naturally assume that Kyle Trask would probably get the, to start with the ones in New York. So uh, I'm curious to see you know, how Baker performs with the twos as, as you know different than the ones, even though it wasn't much of a difference from what Trask was throwing to compared to what Baker was. But uh, so far, yeah, Baker did his job. Like, like that, that, that's, and that's right now, that's all you can ask for. You got to realize that you know, he's learning a new offense too. So everybody's sort of on the page one. Um, yeah, they have a lot of time in training camp and stuff, but there's a couple of things in there and there may be some bumpy roads, but uh, I, I think right now what you're looking for is what Baker gave you on Friday night. There was also a lot of hubbub last week about a report that came from Ira Kaufman and Joe Buck's fan basically saying that this is Baker's job to lose. Uh, he has it on good authority from sources within the organization that the Bucks are ready to give Baker this job. And at this point, it's going to be his until he loses it. Well, since then, time has gone on. Uh, Dave Canales and Todd Bowles have both confirmed that that is not true. So with that being said, the door still figuratively wide open on this quarterback battle for the time that we have left in the preseason. And that's going to bring us to our next topic of discussion, Kyle Trask. So with the same offensive line and most of the same supporting cast, Baker Mayfield goes eight for nine, throws a touchdown. Kyle Trask goes six for 10 for 99 yards and throws an interception. Now I will tell you this. Same offensive line. But man, I feel like they really sold Kyle out. (laughs) You know, there was a lot that uh, we can take away from this game that isn't very positive. And we're going to get to that. Don't you worry. But we started to see the cracks in this first team offensive line. And uh, it was probably at its worst right about when Kyle Trask got in the game. Luke Gedeke was getting beat like a drum. Robert Hainsey did not look great. The left side of that line did not look great. Um, So what do you make of that? I mean, not only Kyle Trask's performance, given... Uh, the time that he had, you know, I almost feel bad sitting here criticizing the guy comparing him to Baker because I just don't feel like he had adequate time in the pocket more times than not. Um, but between the offensive line kind of kind of selling him out and, uh, you know, Trask not doing himself any favors. What did you make of that? Yeah, it, it is tough uh, because when when you're trying to see it and a quarterback without any time, 
it doesn't matter who you are. Like it just, it doesn't matter. You, you won't have a shot. And it was so weird that it was the same line, same offensive line that, that, that Baker, you know, was with. And I, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I, I would assume it had to be some sort of fatigue or, or something, which look guys, like you're playing in Florida. Like, it's not like this is a one-time deal. Like you're going to be playing your home games here. Like you got to figure that out. Obviously, will it be as hot as it was on Friday night? Uh, what compared to what it'll be in November? No, but like still, it's gonna. There's gonna be days where it's gonna be hot. Like your home opener is 1 p.m. in September. Like and that's gonna be a hot one. Like you gotta be ready for that. So, um, if fatigue was an issue, I don't know for sure. But if that was an issue, that's something they they gotta figure out. It's it is tough to to judge Kyle Trask and truly evaluate Kyle Trask uh, his performance, his interception. I just it was the bad. The, the, yeah, was the, bad. the DB made a good play. I uh, just didn't always really see him. Um, it made the a good read. I, I think just missed the the guy underneath there, and um, Coquith had a drop. Uh, that was that was a tough one, and like you said, the offensive line. It, it's tough for me to sit here and say, "Well, Kyle Trask did bad. Kyle Trask did great." It's because to me, it's almost like an incomplete. Because yeah, he wasn't given a chance, so that's why I'm eager to see him. Hopefully, there's a chance. You know, I'm eager to see him with the ones next week, and hopefully, the offensive line. If that's the case, if Kedicky or Malk or Hainsey, if they just wear down as the game goes on, well, maybe Kyle Trask will get a better offensive line in front of them because there was a few things that happened on Friday night that you're just like, you know, what is he supposed to do there? So it yeah. is, it is tough, um, and it is does suck, but. Look, man, like the Bucks can't say, well, you know, Baker did good, but Trask didn't get a shot. So Baker's not the starter. You know, when it comes to, to the, you know, the time to make that decision, that's not going to matter. Like it's just, it, that's not going to be a thing. So um, it does suck for, for Kyle Trask. And I thought he did some good things. He had some, some throws that, that, that were pretty nice, but also, you know, it's just like the interception, some ones that you'd want to have back. And again, the offensive line and the, the lack of run game uh, really didn't help him there. But you also, one thing I wanted to note, and uh, James also noted this uh, on his recap that, um, you know, you could tell there was a little bit of a difference in the play calling from Baker to Trask. You didn't see as many rollouts with Kyle Trask. And Kyle Trask isn't particularly like Tom Brady slow, but also Baker Mayfield's more athletic than Kyle Trask. Like Baker Mayfield can avoid pressure, um, can roll out of the pocket. So you saw a little bit less of that. So I do wonder if Kyle Trask is named the starter, which Look, I know Ira Kaufman, Joe Buck's fan, said you know, said those things. Whether they're true or not, I don't know. I think it's. I think we all pretty much assumed that even still, even though Mayfield was up and down, Trask was doing pretty well in camp. I think we all assumed Mayfield was still the front runner for the job. So I, I don't think it's a shock. Um, but if Trask were to win the job, I do wonder if that changes the offensive philosophy just a little bit on, in terms of the rollouts and stuff. So it is tough to evaluate Trask. I'm looking forward to next week. You know, with Kyle Trask, one of the biggest things we've talked about headed into this year is being able to notice that year-to-year progression he has had because it's a limited sample size. You really only get to see him in the preseason. So based off of that action you see in the preseason, 
what kind of improvements do you notice? What are the little things that you see that maybe he's picked up on? Maybe he hasn't yet, and, and can that cause concern? I will say one of the things I noticed is that when he had the time, so maybe three, four times, uh, when he had the time, he seems a little less jumpy in the pocket than he has in previous years. Like I think a couple of years ago, he was he was quick to scramble. He was quick to try and get out of there and, and make some more room for himself. I thought he tried to do the best he could to at least stay composed in the pocket and look a little more patient. You know, his feet weren't bouncing around back there. He didn't look restless. And I do think that that's going to go a long way. But of course, we're not going to get any concrete answers about where he is until we see him go out there with the ones as a starter next week against the Jets. So it'll be an interesting week of practice because, again, it was a really good week of practice for Kyle Trask and not the best for Baker. But once game time comes around, we obviously saw the roles were reversed. And and, and that's what matters more, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, unfortunately yeah. for Kyle Trask, that is ultimately what matters more. You're going to try – you're trying to win in those game situations. And right now, the first thing you have is Baker Mayfield doing pretty well and Kyle Trask, you know – is what it is. So I, I think that the in-game stuff holds much more weight than the practice stuff, unfortunately, for Trask. Phones are on tonight. You can call in if you'd like and talk Bucks 305-224-1968. The meeting ID for this episode is 893-3579-3669. The number on your screen right now. Before we talk about the rest of the team, uh, we would be remiss if we did not talk about QB3 John Wolford coming in and balling out, man. Uh, one of the guys in the live chat that we had on the game day stream was calling him Wolfman Jack, and I like that a lot. He comes in, goes 10 for 17, 111 yards, one touchdown. He was playing with scrubs, but I got to tell you, he looked like the most confident quarterback on the roster. I mean, Baker looked good, but Wolford just looked like he had been there before. You, you, you know, if I had to, well, well, for one, I mean, he has experience. He's won a playoff game. I mean, people forget that he's won a playoff game. Uh, if I had to tell you who I thought from my observations and everything, who I thought was the Bucks' best quarterback in training camp, it would have been John Wolford. Like, I, I thought, obviously, you, you probably want Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask starting regular season games for you. But... I also need to acknowledge like John Wolford has been pretty good. So yeah, it was cool to see. And and they even got like into a, you know, like a really good rhythm towards the end of the game. Uh, the ball was like barely touching the ground there. Running no huddle. David, yeah. And David Wells, you know, they had David Wells, a Miller, uh, the undrafted free agent. Payne Durham got in the end zone. So, uh, yeah, they, they really all, 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 all like the, the white guy receivers, uh, just really stepped <laughs> yeah. off. And, uh, yeah, I was like, man, this is definitely like the fourth quarter of our preseason game. Because you just got like a bunch of white guys out there running routes and doing like all the slot receiver stuff. Like, um, and and yeah, and John Walford looked pretty good, and, I, and that's and that's what he's been doing in practice too. I gotta say though, it was a welcome change of pace from uh, from the closer that we're used to, Mister August himself, Ryan Griffin. You know, with all due respect to the longest standard quarterback in Bucks history, I, I thought seeing Walford was kind of a breath of fresh air, and it, and it left me interested to watch the rest of the game. Like, for the last seven or eight years, usually when Griffin comes in the game, I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with changing the channel, and, you know, that it is what it is. He's going to go in there, and he's going to do his thing. He's not going to wow me, but I definitely think John Walford went in there and surprised a lot of people, so... When your when your expectations are Ryan Griffin for so long, you know he was fine. He was a preseason hero for us, but 
with that experience factor, just like you said, and I think the credit that not a lot of people are giving Walford for his previous experience, uh, he seems to know his role on the team, which is good, but he plays it well. And uh, shout out to him. He played great on Friday night. So let's talk about the rest of the team. Uh, we talked about the quarterbacks. I want to talk about some of the wide receivers that stuck out. Not a lot to say in the run game, though. You got to see Chase Edmonds, six carries, 18 yards for him. Uh, Tay Barber, a carry for 13 yards. Sean Tucker had six carries for 10 yards, found the end zone. But of course, it did not matter. That's going to be a common theme tonight as well, because overall, the Bucks had 66 yards rushing between all of their runners. Ronnie Brown, Kalen Geiger, John Wolford technically had a carry. Keyshawn Vaughn, Patrick Laird, Devin Tompkins on a jet sweep, Sean Tucker, Tay Barber, Chase Edmonds. They could have easily had over 100 yards rushing on the ground if it weren't for those damn flags taking everything off of the field. It seemed like, you know, aside from a good play through the air, Anytime we saw this run game get any sort of uh, momentum, it's a holding call or it's a legal formation or it's, you know, hands to the face. I mean, the discipline with this team as of right now is the worst we have seen it (laughs) in a lot of years. I mean, that's that's a pretty stark drop off from uh, the standard of play at the end of 2022 to, to where we are now. And this is an incredibly young roster, but this is definitely going to be an issue at some point if all these penalties continue. Yeah, and but you did bring up, you know, like it's that's what's going to happen, you know, when you have a younger roster. And I think Bucks fans need to be prepared for those things. Like we saw Trey Palmer get flagged. Um, you know, you, you saw a couple of rookies. I think Cody Malk had two penalties on him. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's what's going to happen when you have a younger team and more inexperienced team. You're more susceptible to flags. It's just it's going to happen. Now you hope. I mean, twelve is is still too many. Like <laughs> even the, even if you're the last team. time, like I don't even think it was since that one Raiders game in 2016. When is the last time the Bucks have given up over a hundred yards in penalties? Oh, it's, it probably happened. I mean, that that Raiders game was in 2016. That was almost like yeah, that, that was a while ago. That was seven <laughs> years ago. Like it's probably it's happened b- b- since then, but uh, hasn't been for a while. I mean, I would say that some of the penalties were called on guys who probably won't be on this roster in four weeks. Um, and and some of them also were like, eh, yeah, like some of them were a couple. Yeah, of the, the calls, first so. the first holding call was was a little tic tac. I will say there were a couple you know, that- the, the the pass interference on Trey Palmer. Like receivers do that stuff all the time. Yeah. That's not usually called. So there were there was a couple. Um, so. Yeah, you know, it. just get ready for it, Bucks fans. That's all I'm saying. I, should you expect 12 penalties a game? No. But, like, there will be times where the penalties get frustrating for you because this is a younger group. Like, there will be times where these guys, the inexperience is going to show. Sometimes it won't. Honestly, most of the times it won't. However, there will be times where you're going to be like, man, like, you got to know better than that. And... That's what comes with having a a younger team. It just comes with the territory. Uh, There were not any egregious no calls on Friday night, but I think something else you got to get used to the uptick in penalties. Sure. You got a young team. You got to get them disciplined. But uh, you also don't have Tom Brady anymore. So there's going to be a lot of calls that we do not get this year. And uh, (laughs) I I think that's something that people also got to be on the lookout for. Even Mike Evans alluded to it sometime in the 2022 season. You know, he was open about, listen, we got Tom. Like, there's some calls that we can go out there and we can kind of get for ourselves. But I don't know if that's going to be the case for the Bucks this year, which means it's going to be even more important to just be on your P's and Q's 
stay disciplined and uh, don't shoot yourself in the foot because that has lost this Bucks team a lot of games over the course of the franchise's history. Uh, before we talk about the defense, I do want to talk about the wide receivers. Like I said, who stood out? Your leading receiver for the evening, former Seahawk Dave Moore, three receptions in 66 yards. Kalen Geiger had four catches for 60 yards. Trey Palmer, four catches, 33 yards, and a touchdown. David Wells had a catch for 22 yards. Tanner Tala at the uh, the tight end position, excuse me, had one catch for 20 yards. Ryan Miller, two catches for 20. Tay Barber, a catch for 17. Cade Warner, a catch for a first down. That was pretty exciting, huh? Ronnie Brown, one catch for 10 yards. Devin Tompkins, two receptions for nine yards. And then uh, everyone else had a catch as well. I mean, there were a lot of guys who caught a ball when you really look at this preseason uh, box score here. Devin Tompkins, Dominique, Daphne, Chase Edmonds, Payne Durham, of course, finding the end zone on a three-yard touchdown. And Sean Tucker, Patrick Laird, and Keith both had drops. But, I mean, as far as the young guys who are battling for position spots, especially in that wide receiver room, uh, Trey Palmer seems to be the talk of the town, at least in that particular group, coming away from this one and that impressive touchdown catch. He also said that that moment was not too big for him, which is great. I mean, you like to hear a young guy talk with a little bit of swagger like that, and that's what these preseason games are for, is to figure out if they can step up to the moment. The lights are on. I won't say it was a packed stadium, but there were a good amount of people there, more people than I thought there'd be for a preseason game. And uh, he delivered, stayed confident afterwards. So good to see as this is going to be another fun position battle to watch over the next few weeks here. Yeah, I I, I was impressed, obviously, with what I've seen some, from Trey Palmer. I uh, was a big fan of his pre-draft, and uh, I remember I came on the show and I was singing praise that they drafted him. So, um, he, I to me, he's had a pretty good camp. I, I was disappointed uh, to see uh, Jarrett, the undrafted uh, free agent out of Maryland. Rakeem Jarrett uh, was unable to play. Todd Bowles asked him, well, it was weird because there was no sign of anything, and then he was just the inactive thing. It's like, okay. And then Todd Bowles said after the game that he had a sore leg. That's why he didn't go. Hopefully he'll be able to go uh, against the Jets because that's a guy who, again, is battling for a spot there. So um, it would be pretty tough to even keep that guy like the practice squad if he he doesn't play. So, uh, yeah, like I saw Trey Palmer, I thought David Moore looked good. David Moore is the veteran of the group, so you would – Expect him to look pretty good in this scenario. Kalen Geiger had a few nice catches. He did have that fumble right at the very end uh, on his part return try. Probably won't help his case uh, to be a part returner for this team. Speaking of part returners, Devin Tompkins, I thought was basically, especially early on with the Mayfield offenses, like Devin Tompkins was the offense. Like they were giving the ball to that guy just nonstop yeah. and it wasn't gaining much. Like it wasn't like going crazy, uh, but it, it is nice to see. They might have like a small, you know, a, a fun little player uh, in Devin Tompkins. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of spots. There's still a lot of spots open. I think I would say, I, I believe David Moore's probably in the lead for wide receiver four. I think Trey Palmer's behind him, wide receiver five. And I think if they had to make a decision right now to keep one more, it'd probably be Devin Tompkins, uh, specifically because of the return ability. Now, they also had Trey Palmer return some kicks as well. So I would keep an eye on that. Maybe if they decide not to keep Devin Tompkins, maybe it wouldn't be as big of a shock if they decide to cut bait with Tompkins because they feel Palmer can do the job. So 
was really impressed with with the group of pass catchers. I have been for a lot of camp. Like I've been saying, I think the Bucks' depth at wide receiver is pretty underrated. I think it's it's an underrated group that has a good bit of potential, and, and I am hopeful to see Raheem Jarrett out there because I think he's another guy that could could flash here. Before we talk about the other side of the football, I want to revisit the running back topic because I forgot to ask you about this guy in particular. I, I thought Sean Tucker had probably the best night of the running backs that we saw. I mean, Chase Edmonds did surprise me a little bit with his carries. It was good to see him go out there and, and get his legs moving again. But, you know, aside from the penalties pulling him back out of the end zone and a couple of big runs that were taken away for all of these guys, what did you make of the running backs and in particular Sean Tucker, who has been the talk of the town this last week? Yeah, I, Edmonds was good. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn, it's tough. It's tough to evaluate a running back when the offensive line isn't opening up the lanes. And it was just constant that, especially in short yardage situations, I mean, Robert Hainsey got blown back a couple of times. Cody Mount got blown back a couple of times. It's, it's tough to evaluate a running back on that. So I thought Vaughn was fine. I thought Edmonds looked pretty good. He looked pretty explosive. Um, Sean Tucker, obviously, he had the touchdown run, the nice, really nice touchdown run that was unfortunately called back because of a hold. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought Tucker looked good. Still kind of concerns me. Like, I... What concerns me the most is I think they want to run the ball even more this year than they did last year. And I'm not convinced that their running game is going to be much, if any, better than it was last year. So what happens this year when you have the same run game or worse than last year and a worse quarterback? Right. You know, I that 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 really concerns me. Um I'm just I'm not sure because, like I said, they, they all you know, Jason Light was talking about, I think, pregame, uh, the balanced offense, balance and balance and balance. Well, eventually you're going to have to become one dimensional if you can't run the ball. And because if you keep trying it, then you're just going to do nothing. And it, it does concern me. Now, again, it is just preseason. Ryan Jensen wasn't out there. Um no worse. Yeah, but Cody Malk and they were running to the right side. They were running to the starter side. Cody Malk and Lou Gedicki are projected to be the starting right guard and right tackle. And mm. the Bucks got blown back every time and couldn't run the ball to the right side. So that's pretty concerning to me. Like, like, like that is is pretty concerning that while it is a preseason game, they still seem in a, in a short yard situations. It was a third and two, ended up being a fourth and one. And then I understand that, you know, that they couldn't, um, they, they couldn't do it because of the penalty. But then they also had another fourth and one situation where they got stopped later on in the game. Mm-hmm. That can't happen. It's just, we saw it too many times last year and just worried. And I'm not like completely sounding the alarms, just a little bit concerned that like, you see trends start to come up in the preseason. And if a trend is going to be that they literally cannot run the ball at all. It could be another long season for this offense. Now, I know when we look at the offensive line, and we're going to move to the other side of the ball, don't worry. But when you look at the offensive line, one of the things people are talking about after this game is is obviously going to be Luke Gedeke. Um, When you're talked about this much as an offensive lineman, it is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now, now Cody Malk had the, had the penalties, and I'm not saying that it's easier to make excuses for Cody Malk, but it kind of is, right? I mean, first NFL action... First ever professional game. He's new. He's a rookie. And it's a lot of pressure. 
you know, ask Luke Gedeke. It's a lot of pressure to be expected to start in your rookie season. Uh, so with Malik, I feel like we'll cross that bridge when we come to it just because it is trial by fire for him. He's a younger player. He's a raw player. He's going to have to get up to speed. It's going to take a few weeks. It is what it is. Preseason is not going to get him up to NFL speed. But Luke Gedeke. I mean, to be as noticeably bad as he was for a guy that already got dragged through the mud throughout his entire rookie season. Uh, if you're the Bucks right now and you're looking at what is potentially your starting right tackle just out there getting his ass whooped. I, I mean, I cannot even sugarcoat it. I mean, he was getting whooped by some guys who were going to be delivering Amazon packages here in a couple of weeks. So what are your thoughts on that? Because if I'm the Bucks and I look at this experiment with moving Tristan Wirfs to left tackle, I mean, there's not anyone better who you can put at left tackle at this point, I don't think. But do you think they start to look for options at right tackle or are they, are they ready to kind of see how this plays out for the second week in a row? Well, here, here's, here's the thing. Um, one, Nick Herbig is a good football player. Uh, I like them coming out. The Steelers drafted him, I believe, in the fourth round. So he's really, he's really good. Yeah, he was all over uh, the backfield. So, yeah, so I'll, I'll give him credit there. But uh, a few thoughts on the Gedeke thing. One, they're not signing a new right tackle. Like, especially after one preseason game, not happening. If you want to tell me they need to sign a new right tackle, go on SpotRack right now. Look at <laughs> because I, I've done it. Look up the starting right. Look up, I've the, done it. look up the right. Look up the right <laughs> tackle free agents right now, and tell me who you'd rather have than Luke Gedeke. I'd rather take my chances with the guy that could maybe figure it out. Another thing, the Bucks don't have Tom Brady back there anymore. There's not as much pressure to win if they lose a game because Luke Gedeke is so awful. Yeah, it sucks for a guy like Todd Bowles, and like, okay, man, instead of having seven wins they have six wins like yeah but like it's not like oh we didn't make the playoffs because you know luke getticky and luke getticky can't protect brady there's not there's just there's simply not as much pressure anymore so i'm not saying it doesn't matter it does matter because there's it could be a potential need at right tackle like there could be a potentially big need at right tackle and i am bugs fans should be concerned uh, with Luke Gedeke's performance. Is it, you know, oh, Luke Gedeke's automatically going to suck? No, I, I don't think so. I think it's so early. Because the weird thing to me was he was fine early in the game, and then as the game wore on, it seemed like right. he just got wore down. And right. that's my thing, though. It's not like you were on the Steelers visiting Florida. You play in Florida. And also, you played in Florida last year. So it really shouldn't be an issue for you. So that was this the really weird thing. It seemed like he just got completely wore down. And there's no excuse. He needs to be better. But I, I don't think it's going to be, the, though the Bucks are looking for a right tackle. Now, you know, in two and a half weeks, teams are going to be cutting hundreds of players, basically. Like, there's going to be 100-plus players available for you to sign, right? Do you bring in somebody then if there's a veteran cut? Maybe. You know, maybe you bring in a veteran just to have, just in case things start to go off the rails because we know Todd Bowles needs to win football games this year. So just in case things start to go off the rails a little bit, maybe if you're like, yo, by like week eight, you're like, this Gedeke thing, like, the Bucks are like are two and six or whatever. Like this gecky thing ain't working. Like you, you got to do something. Um, then maybe 
you know, maybe you, you go to that veteran. But right now, I, I would say there's not going to be any additions. I he's got to hope he bounces back. I mean, you, you got to hope he bounces back, and um, he's ta- he's going to face some tough competition this week of the Jets. I mean, the Jets really really put a whooping on on the Panthers' offensive line. They have a really deep defensive line, so um, but it, it is concerning. However, it's not like oh he needs to be replaced right now. Concerning to me, yet. Let's talk about the other side of the football. Uh, Let's start with the good on the defense because it does not outweigh the bad, in my opinion, from what we saw on Friday night. Uh, Oddly enough, your leading tackler was William Golston, who was literally in the game for what seemed like the entire game. But, you know, the longer I started to think about it, longer or the more it started to make sense. I mean, he, he signed late in camp, didn't get to go through most of that organized team activity, has been missing some pretty important reps at training camp as a veteran. And I feel like just from surface level observation for Will Golston getting back in the system, uh, some people may have been surprised, but when you think about the snaps that he's missed, trying to get him back into shape, I feel like that's just kind of what they were doing there, right? Yeah, yeah, I would think it was a little bit surprising. I was like, oh, wow, he's playing pretty yeah. late in this yeah. game. But um, yeah, I, I don't think he he missed all the OTAs. Um, He's even said it, it was weird. It was weird missing uh, OTAs. So uh, I, I don't think yeah, much to read into that. And yeah, I mean, he was he was fine. And, and he's going to be a valuable piece for a young defense uh, this coming season. Your defensive player of the game for Tampa Bay has got to be outside linebacker Cam Gill. They, they've got him a sack and a half in the box score. I'll give him two sacks for the evening. Seemed like he was all over the place, man. He was after the quarterback. And this is a guy who's been on the roster for a couple of years. I believe his season ended early last season due to injury. And uh, this was just a good bounce back game for him. And I think he is going to prove to be a valuable depth piece for the Bucks at outside linebacker because for that first quarter, he was probably the best defensive player on the field. And it's important because I think he is a guy who could be on the roster bubble. I don't think his spot's guaranteed. So um, I think it's it's important for a guy like Cam Gill to, to step up and, uh, and and be good because if he doesn't, I, I think he could be out, out of a job. So it, it is it is cool. So we got David Cardona in the chat. Evening, fellas. Surprised to see Coach Wanish <laughs> not on the sideline during the game. Everything okay with the coach? Everything's okay with me. Just uh, had, a, had a contract dispute about money. Um, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but uh, let's just say uh, the Glazers need to start to open up their checkbook, I guess, if they want my services. So oh, man. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll do the, the little spiel on, on here, but it, you know, if, if they want me to be on the sidelines making the big bucks, they got to open up their checkbook. I'm, I'm not. I'm not playing for free here. So oh, well. if if they want the services of Coach Wanish, uh, but you know, well, uh, so yeah, everything is okay. And uh, mostly, I just I, I wasn't invited. They, they they locked me out of the locker room. So my my key right. my key card doesn't work anymore. I showed up to work <laughs> yeah. the other day and it wouldn't get me in the building. wasn't sure what was going on. Uh, I knocked coach- on the door and everybody just like they looked like <laughs> they kind of looked at me and they were like. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, like, they, like they were, no, 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 no. And then, like, an intern went to open it, and they were, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let him. <laughs> so, uh, so I know they locked you out of the facility, but you did get a chance to watch the game on Friday night. What did you make of Zion McCollum? Second-year corner, of course, had the big interception, picking off Mitch Trubisky on the deep ball. But aside from that, he did have a couple mental lapses. Uh, on the rushing touchdown, I think it was, what, Boogie McFarlane Jr. out there had yeah. the, the rushing touchdown for Pittsburgh. And Zion just... 
completely missed him. Uh, oh. He was supposed to set the edge and, and kind of contain there. He went the wrong way, and then boom, it's you know 15 yards. He trots in for the score. A couple of other miscues throughout the night, but this is a guy that, again, is going to have a little more pressure on him, kind of like Luke Gedeke, to to at least step it up somewhat this year. And I know the interception was a positive. Zion McCollum's first professional interception in his NFL career. But aside from that, you know, what what did you take away from his performance? Yeah, it's an interception that doesn't count for the stat. <laughs> like it's it's not gonna count in his yeah. career stats. Um it was a nice play though. It was it was a really nice play. Eh, hot and cold. I mean, th- there was the hot right there, and then the cold is completely taken the wrong angle, like it just a, a brutal angle uh, on a run play, completely got taken out of yeah. it. Um that's gonna be a touchdown ten times out of ten. Like if you take that angle. So, uh, and then honestly on, on the Pickens touchdown, he was in coverage on that Pickens touchdown. I'm not going to blame him too much. There's not much to do. Like that's a really good throw. It's a good catch. I, it's a good player I too. What, I mean, yeah, George Pickens is a monster, man. Yeah. I, I don't know what more Zion McCollum could have done there, but, um, and I do think it is telling that Todd Bowles even said, like, Christian Izian is probably the guy in the lead, like the front runner for the nickel position, not Zion McCollum. So clearly that shows that, like, McCollum's not where they need him to be right now. And that is concerning. So while he had that play, I do think, just like you said with the defense, there was a little bit more negative than positive for Zion McCollum's night. Servasier Dennis, another rookie that we're going to talk about here. Uh, we had talked before the game about him being matched up with Darnell Washington, and sure enough, Darnell Washington had a couple of big catches throughout the game uh, with Dennis in coverage there. But from what you saw, what did you make of his debut? Yeah, I mean, he didn't look great, but at the same time, it's his first game. Uh, give him a little bit, you know, to get in. I think people got to remember, like, you know, it's not like this guy's a second round pick. Like, he was he was a day three pick. Like, there's gonna be some some time there. There's gonna be some growing pains. I know he had the explosive camp with a lot of picks and everything, and fans are excited. I would say just you know, give him time. I think that's the, that's the the smartest thing to do. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping he can just like a guy like Lugetti, like hoping he can just bounce back next week. Yeah, and for Tampa Bay as well, taken away from that preseason game, I, I will say this. You know, we've highlighted some of the standouts, some of the guys that at least I paid extra close attention to. But as a whole, when we break down the body of work that was presented to us, tackling was awful. Um, yeah, I mean, it it was bad. Todd Bowles addressed it and said that it's got to be fixed as soon as possible. But again, there's a lot of things that we're going to see from the Bucks this year that are going to potentially be issues that just have not been issues in the last two or three years. And I think it's going to take some people by surprise. I think most of them have to do with discipline. But of course, the fundamentals of tackling uh, were on full display <laughs> that Friday night in Raymond James. Um, the tackling from the depth guys on this team is, is rough. And it, and it kind of left me with the same feeling, uh, the feeling that we had after the Tennessee game last preseason where you come away from it and you're just like, man, like the, like those guys really didn't tackle anything. It, it was, it was, it was tough to watch. Yeah. It seemed like every time, like the only way Pittsburgh would be stopped would be the guy would break a couple tackles, but then he'd end up in the sideline. Like that would be why he would stop. So, um, yeah, no, you, you're not wrong. Tackling needs to needs to be better. And uh, I don't know. Like, 
it feels like it's always been an issue for the Bucks, and particularly in the preseason. And I understand it's a lot of reserves. Like the Bucks, basically, basically, like there's a few guys like okay, he might be a starter, but like they basically didn't play a single starter like on defense. Right. right. So like it's not like you got Levante David and Devin White and Carlton Davis and Jamal Dean missing all these tackles. Like there's some plays that the Bucks defense didn't make that like yeah, if the Bucks were playing their ones, like, yeah, you probably do make them. So I don't think it's something to like be overly concerned about right now, but like injuries happen during a football season. The Buccaneers will not have all 11 starters on defense available for every single game this season. So those depth players are going to be important. And if those depth players can't come in and play well, the Bucs may be in trouble. So, yeah, you definitely, again, like the theme of this episode is like, you know, got to bounce back. Like those guys that miss tackles, like they, they have to bounce back. Like the depth of the secondary has to bounce back because it, you know, let me just go on a little bit of like a thing here because I, I don't know what you had planned to talk about next, but I, I want to get this out of the way now. To me, after watching, it was a concern I had. I've been saying it basically all offseason. I said it all training camp. Um, you know, if Carlton Davis or Jamel Dean have to go down and miss two plus games, I, I think the Bucks are screwed. Like I, I don't any, see one of, any one of those starters. I mean, Vita Vea, yeah. Levante, David, Devin White, any one of those guys, if they're going to miss yeah, the time. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm told this just specifically the secondary though, because of what I saw from the secondary mm-hmm. on Friday night, I just think they're done because Zion McCollum, we already talked about him. Derek Pitts let up a 67 yard touchdown where he just got beat. Keen Isaac, who I've sung the praises of in training camp, uh, missed a couple tackles, got beat on some coverage, I believe was flagged a few times. It was not pretty. So that's your corner depth. Like if any of those guys go down and have to miss serious time, the Bucks are in serious trouble. So hopefully Carlton Davis and Jamal Dean are can be two guys that can stay upright and be healthy for a majority of the season because right now the guys they have is depth in the secondary. And again, just like I mentioned earlier with the right tackle thing, there is going to be a hundred plus players available in three weeks. Who's to say the Bucks won't add a veteran quarter that that gets cut? It very well could happen. Um, and honestly, if it keeps up like this, I think it might have to happen. Like, I just, I don't know how you could have any faith in any of these guys behind those two top guys if this is how they're going to keep playing. So, was really disappointed, uh, in, in the secondary. I mean, you got Nolan Turner getting just blown out of his shoes by George Pickens. Nolan Turner is standing right in front of him, like, make the tackle. And he just he can't do it. I, very very concerned about the the depth of Tampa Bay's young and inexperienced secondary, which is what I've been harping on this whole offseason. Like the behind the top guys is a lot of uncertainty, and right now the uncertainty was not good. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of areas in this team where different than years past. You just don't have the level of depth that you've had. I mean, staying healthy is important every single year in the NFL, regardless of if you're a Super Bowl aspiring team or not. Keeping your guys healthy is is priority number one throughout the throughout the season. But with where the Bucks are now, the shape that the roster is in, just like you said, there's going to be some holes. And, uh, you know, you've got Band-Aids in, in very solid starting talent on top of it. Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, both incredibly capable corners. But if they're not healthy, just like you said, 
Uh, it could be a long afternoon depending on the shape that we are in. You know, 2021, when the Bucks won 13 games, that secondary was never was never was, right. was never and and they, right? and they still it, won 13 games. Right. Simply because of the talent and the depth that was able to step up. I mean, going into that season into week 4, your cornerback 3, cornerback 4 was Richard Sherman. And who I mean, just signed. Who, Literally right. just signed. You know, injuries forced him to eventually be the starter, which was insane uh the way that that season ended up playing out. But just the level of talent and the way that you know, that level of depth, there wasn't necessarily a deep plateau from your cornerback two to your potential cornerback three. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But as we wrap up the show, I just wanted to talk about the upcoming joint practices this week and how this is going to be kind of a blessing for the guys, I think, who who got ran on in the last game. Uh, Luke Gedeke, these are going to be valuable reps to go up against another defensive line, especially one as talented as New York is. As you said, they they gave Carolina absolute hell in that first preseason game. So, you know, guys like Luke Gedeke, guys like Zion McCollum can get lined up against some different wide receivers and the ones he's been going up against in camp. Uh, the indoor practice we were at a couple of weeks ago, they had Zion McCollum shadowing Mike Evans for pretty much the whole day, and that was probably his longest week, uh, day of practice he's had since the training camp program started. Um, but guys like that, I think... What these joint practices are about to bring to the table, it's going to allow them to get into that game speed a little bit faster than usual, but I think it's it's going to be a a little bit faster than usual to get into that game speed, but it's just more of a chance. Like it's just more sample size. Yeah. It's it's more reps, it's more snaps. Yeah. It's you know, more 1v1s against the guy who is not on your team. That way once the game right. comes around on Saturday, you've been playing against these guys for the last two or three days. You're a little bit more locked in. And I feel like you have a little bit better of an idea of what to expect as well. And hopefully that leads to some better play or at least a a sense of being more prepared to show up. Yeah. And I'm not sure. See, and that's the other thing. Like when, when you have these joint practices, I'm not sure how much the offensive starters will play in the actual game, right? Because a lot of times coaches love them joint practices because they get to control it, right? Like they get to do the drills they want to do and see the stuff they want to see. And it's live competition. Like there's sometimes like teams will literally scrimmage. Um, that's basically what a preseason game is. A pre, I describe a preseason game as a scrimmage inside a stadium with a uniform on. That's that's what it is. Um, but like, yeah, the coaches love them, them, you know, these joint practices. But guys like Luke Gedeke, I don't really think that matters. Like Todd Bowles even said, like, yeah, like if a veteran guy, if he doesn't get enough reps, like, sure, he'll play in the game. Like a guy like Luke Gedeke, I think you're going to get reps during the week and then you're also going to play on Saturday. So I do agree that like, it's, it's a big opportunity for him. And I do think it's, it's good for him also just to get that taste out of your mouth. Uh, I mean, you know, not all of it was his fault. There were a few things that the other players on the offensive line, some of the tight ends sort of didn't do a well enough job um, of protecting the quarterback, but there's gotta be some sort of bad taste in your mouth. And, if you're a competitor, you got to be eager to get out there and, and prove yourself and say, look like that, you know, have faith in me. Like, don't pull the plug yet. Like, uh, I'm still 
I'm still here. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. So I do think it's like it's a big opportunity. It is a big opportunity for Luke Getty and a lot of young players. The players in the secondary, the the Jets. You know they have Garrett Wilson, um, the reigning offensive rookie of the year. He's great. Randall Cobb's a veteran who's been there, done that. He's he's going to know what to do. They have Alan Lazard, so they have a talented receiving corps, and they're going to be going up against Aaron Rodgers in practice. Like so, I do think there's a chance for these young veterans of young veteran young players in the secondary to bounce back as well so i know that's i've said bounce back a ton it's just that's what i think i think a lot of the younger players have to bounce back or as the season gets closer that concern starts to get more and more that hey maybe they're not Maybe the young players, the Buccaneers were kind of counting on, all right, well, maybe he can develop into something. Maybe that's not going to be the case, and they're going to have to rely on their their veteran mainstays to win them football games this year. Yeah, it's going to be a telling week of practice and obviously a pretty telling game on Saturday. I can't wait to start hearing about the fights. That's my favorite thing about joint practices. Every single year, it never seems to fail. You get a couple of updates about guys getting chippy, having to be broken up by the coaches. Oh, let's split this up. That's what it's all about. I think that gets everybody back in the football attitude. And just like we alluded to, a lot of the depth guys, a lot of the younger guys are going to get valuable reps this week against some more solidified talent on another team. Uh, Guys like Cody Malk. I mean, all of the offensive line depth, right? Aaron Stinney, Robert Hainsey in that conversation as well. Uh, Nick Leverett, who I don't think played. He did. He did play. I think he had a penalty call on him. So yeah, that's how I remember that he played. Yeah. Well, we're hopefully going to want to not hear his name called next week, but all of those guys are going to be getting important reps this week. Uh, So hopefully they can give Bucks fans a little bit, a little bit something more positive to talk about uh, when they grade their game this week. Because again, kind of like Luke Edicke, if you're an offensive lineman or you're a guy in a position to where your name doesn't generally need to be called. If you come away from this game and everyone's talking about you, it's not going to be great. So I, I think for Luke Gedeke, uh, for some of those guys who had a rough game left last week, you're just looking for that positive momentum, something to build on, and uh, hopefully they can get marginally better this week as we get closer and closer to the regular season. But no calls tonight. That's all right. We're going to wrap up this show. But thank you to everybody hanging out with us over in the live chat on YouTube. Our buddy from the West Coast, Richard T., Mikey Kelly, Christopher Cole, David Cardona, Emily Compa, Jacko Bluntly, anyone else that I may have missed. We truly appreciate you guys hanging out. Subscribe to the channel if you have not already for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. And uh, follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. You can find my co-host, Evan, on Instagram and threads, I guess, at Bucks underscore daily. Yeah. yeah. I, who uses threads? Do you use threads? I, I have threads. I yeah. don't really use oh, everybody, it. But everybody I, has I, it. I, I, I have it as a backup. I, I have it as a backup just in case you know, Elon decides to go a little bit nuts. Yeah. So uh, I have it as a backup. It seems like we all signed up that first day, used it for a day or two, and then, and then just have not uh, touched right. it. Yeah. yeah, the the novelty wore off. But if that's what you're into, follow us over there. Well, it it uh, feels like I'm starting over. Like it feels yeah. like I'm, I have to start over all like, on Twitter. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Uh, you can also find Evan and his written work for Bucks Nation over on BucksNation.com. Uh, what are you putting out this week? Uh, I have a, a stock report. Uh, I did these last year, so I'm going to be doing it for the preseason again this year. Uh, should be out. 
probably we're recording this on Sunday. Should be out probably on Monday. So uh, going to be taking a look at a few players who stocks up, who stock down. I'm sure if you listen to the full episode by now, you could probably tell some of the players who are going to be on which side of the list. Not going to do every single player on the roster, just a handful of players that stood out to me uh, as positive or negative. So be on the lookout for that. Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or well, not Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and threads at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But if you add me on Facebook, I probably won't accept it because I don't use it anymore. Um, yeah. Do you do you do you go on Facebook at all, or like not not even go periodically? Ninety five percent of the time when I open the Facebook app, it's just to look at junk on Marketplace. Okay, like I, I like I like looking at used cars, you know, mountain bikes. Um, hold on, let me let me open this up here and let me tell you the first ten things that pop up. It's like retro video games, mountain bikes. I, I don't I don't really I don't post on Facebook, but like I go on Facebook and I read yeah. the posts, but I don't actually post on Facebook. Four wheelers, Jeep Cherokees, campers, uh, mountain bikes. There you go. If anybody wants to buy Rhett Matthew the Campfire Podcast a mountain bike, there you contact go. the Campfire Podcast email. There you go, man. That's the show. Thank you guys again for hanging out with us live on YouTube this week. We will talk to you later this week as we get amped up for the second week of preseason football. The Bucks are going to face off against the New York Jets on the road in New Jersey, MetLife Stadium. Will we see Aaron Rodgers suit up and play? I have my doubts, but uh, regardless, it's going to be an interesting week of practice. And uh, listen, we, we talked about the media coverage that the Bucks are not going to be getting this year. Well, I think this week in particular, we'll get a little taste of what we've had the last couple of years because they are going to be all over Aaron Rodgers at training camp. So be on the lookout for that as well. And, oh, oh, and yeah. the, Bucks are, the Bucks are going to be a hard knock. They sure but. are making their first appearance <laughs> since, uh, what was it, 2017, 2018? 2017. 2017, yep. And those were the days, huh? Yeah, which I, I can't, I can't find that anywhere. Like, like each, I, I have, yeah. I have, I have Max, which by the way, dumb name, but I have Max, and they have some of the past seasons on there. Yeah. Um. So I have that, but they don't have the Bucks season on there. They only have like the past like two or three seasons, and then I have NFL Plus, and NFL Plus is hard knocks, but NFL Plus has like the last four seasons, and then it cuts and then off. It, and what no, and then it skips like 2018, 2017, 2016, goes like 2015, and then like 2015, like 2009, they have it. Like it, it's weird. Yeah, it is. But ridiculous. yeah, I was, I was interested to, to watch it, and I was like, man, like they ain't got nowhere. That, that's an issue I've run into uh, myself. And that's why I'm a it, listen, I'll close the show with this. I know we're wrapping up the show here, doing a whole nother show. Um, I'm a big I'm a big supporter of physical media. And I don't know if like hard knocks for the Bucks ever got a DVD release, but if it I did, don't know. If it didn't, if, that's if, concerning. if it has, if it has, and you're listening to this, send that with a mountain bike. <laughs> there you go. And that's the show. Thank you again, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. I am your host, Rip Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you guys later this week with some more of the latest from Tampa Bay Buccaneers training camp and the preseason as we get ready for this week's game against the New York Jets. We'll talk to you in the next episode. Thank you again for listening. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.